Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hello, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. And we've got a very special episode for you this week. It's a special Super Bowl episode. We're going to spend a lot of time right now talking about football. Psych, we're not going to do that. I don't do that. But we are going to talk about my favorite part of the Super Bowl, the halftime show. And to do that, we have a halftime show expert with us, Brian Moylan. Hello, how are you? I'm good, and I am with you. The only part of the Super Bowl I want anything to do with is the halftime show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same here. Uh, Brian, from what I understand, you are Vulture's resident halftime show expert, correct? That is correct. Yeah, they asked me a handful of years ago to rank all of the um, Super Bowl halftime shows. We started in 1993, which is when Michael Jackson did his you know, kind of took the halftime show from being like a weird drum major thing with like up with people and was always really cheesy into kind of the modern era that we know now where it's like big stars, huge production values, like a big thing. So I'm not going to have you tell our listeners uh, which halftime show tops that list. Go see for yourself. But I am going to ask you, uh, since you've made this definitive ranking of all the celebrity halftime shows since 1993, when the celebrity halftime show era began, what for you is the one unifying theme of all those halftime shows, if there is one? Oh, that's very interesting. I would say the unifying theme of a Super Bowl halftime show, like the two things that I think really differentiate it are spectacle. Like it's got to be a huge thing, national stage, you know, in terms of viewership, but also a giant stage on the field, you know, dancers, instruments, surprises, you know, guest stars, like just a giant spectacle. And also pastiche, like you want a bunch of different kinds of things. So even when you have Madonna, you know, she does a number of her songs, but then she also brings out MIA. She also brings out Nicki Minaj, you know, and so you're getting kind of like different styles and like fusing lots of different parts of American pop culture together into this one like big thing. I'm Roman. 
In general, I think concerts from these artists are better than the halftime shows because there's no extra baggage. Like, sometimes you'll be like, yes. I just needed Beyonce up there. I don't need her singing with Coldplay. I don't need Bruno Mars introducing <laughs> her, you know? I yeah. like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's like, I'd much rather just see Beyonce than have her be part of this whole thing. But I, I do think that, you know, it should be stated about all these halftime shows. I mean, the obvious thing is the Janet Jackson of it all, which happened, you know, in 2004. And sort of, you know, we had this sort of steady trend towards these big, you know, pastiche halftime shows. And then we had the wardrobe malfunction. And we entered into like eight years of just like dad bands just like playing their hits. And it was like really boring. And then it was actually thanks to the Black Eyed Peas of all people <laughs> in like 2011 who like brought us back to, you know, out, out of the dark forest of classic rock bands wow. into something a bit more uh, enjoyable. So I want you to talk through... In advance of this year's halftime show, I want you to talk through halftime shows of yesteryear. And we're going to give out some superlative awards for our favorites, our least favorites. But before I get there, I got to ask you about the Rihanna of it all. She is set to perform at this halftime show this year. It's a big deal because she hasn't done live shows or released new music in years what should I expect as someone who was kind of scared <laughs> of okay. how this whole thing is going to go? I am kind of scared myself, and I'm going to give you the pros for Rihanna and the cons for Rihanna. I think the pros are she's a great performer, a great singer. She has a deep well of hits that we all love. And so I, I think that that, and I feel she's a great collaborator. Like, I feel like Rihanna's going to hit us with some great surprise guests, you know, some really cool stuff. The cons for Rihanna are she hasn't performed live in a long time. Mm-hmm. She's been focused on her fashion line. So it's not like we're getting... And let's getting... be clear, she was never a dancer. Never I love her. I love her, but that yes. wasn't her strength. <laughs> no, no. So... Yeah, but I'm hoping that in the great tradition of the Super Bowl halftime show, she'll say, okay, I'm going to like stand in the middle and sing and I'm going to get 100 million (laughs) people around me to do something crazy. And then we won't mind so much. Rihanna's really good. And this is like my favorite version of Rihanna live. Like great outfit, great makeup, great hair. And she's just in the middle of the show kind of slowly pelvic thrusting, a little dirty whining, <laughs> and everyone yeah. else handles everything else. That I'm fine if that yeah, is what maybe happens. Maybe a step touch here or there, maybe a jazz square, <laughs> you know. We, we, Even yeah, a head just, nod, we're good. Raise yeah, one hand and shimmy. wave it, we're good. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> as long as she doesn't do that godforsaken funeral dirge from the new Black Panther movie, I'll be oh. fine. <laughs> I, I love I Rihanna, was... 
But it, that is one of the worst Rihanna songs I've ever heard in my life. And it's up for an Oscar on top of that. Just don't even get me started. I mean, all you got to do is be Rihanna and release a song. We're so starving for it. We'll give her an Oscar. So, I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I would love for her to come out and one of the songs be like a banger. Like when Beyonce came out with Formation at the yeah. you know Super Bowl halftime show. And you're like, oh, yes, this is everything I ever wanted. We're going to get to superlatives for halftime shows of yesteryear. But first, last Rihanna question. Uh, as someone who has studied in depth every halftime show performance of the celebrity halftime show era... If you were consulting Rihanna, which halftime performance would you tell her to go back and watch, maybe even reference, maybe even channel in advance of her own show? I say that for the modern era, you know, post Janet Jackson, the two who have done it the best are Madonna. Because, um, you know, she took like all these different elements, all of her long history of hits, combined them in new ways, like did interesting remixes with them, brought in like a giant gospel choir and did really cool stuff with it. I think that's a great way to go. Or also like the Beyonce when she was on her own, not when she you know, stole the show from Coldplay and Bruno Mars. But, you know, just like going in on what you do best. Baby, it's you. You're the one I love. You're the one I need. You're the only one I see. And so I think that you can go in either of those two directions and be really safe. And so I hope that Rihanna chooses one of those rather than something weird like when, you know, the Blues Brothers were in that type of show. <laughs> Blues Brothers. Everybody needs somebody. All I'm saying is I am doing rosaries around the clock before the halftime show, sending prayers up about Rihanna in this show. I want it to be great. Yes. And if she decides that all the halftime show is just going to be her giving a Fenty makeover to the two teams' quarterbacks on the field, I'll accept that too. I mean, I'm here for <laughs> It's RuPaul's uh, surprise celebrity drag race with the, uh, <laughs> the quarterbacks yes. of whichever teams are playing. Yes, <laughs> yes. Stay with us. After the break, we give out some awards for the best and worst of the Super Bowl halftime show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. Like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. All right, with the Rihanna of it all out of the way, in advance of a new halftime show this weekend, I want you, Vulture's resident halftime show expert, to take us back down memory lane and give out some superlatives for halftime shows of yesteryear. Uh, We did prep you with these categories in advance, so I think you're ready to go, huh? Yeah, and I tried to spread them out so that, you know, we're not saying like, oh, Beyonce's the best, Beyonce's the best for everyone. So I tried to... You know, that's what I wanted. I wanted every category to have Beyonce as the winner. Don't worry, she's on there. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, With that, let's start. Yeah. Brian, in your opinion, what's been the best choreography from all of the celebrity halftime show performances ever. I am going to give it to Katy Perry, who did it in Okay, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're going to say Left Shark was some of the best choreo? No, I'm going to say le- it was the best choreo despite the Left Shark. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, all we remember is the Left Shark being, you know not in on the joke or maybe too in on the joke. I don't know. Okay. Okay. But, I mean, there wasn't a moment, there wasn't a million dancers on that stage. She comes out, there's all these chess pieces that are dancing and doing backflips when she's doing Dark Horse. There's all these girls in bathing suits during California Girl. California Girl 
And then she comes out with Missy Elliott, who we didn't know was going to be there. And they do Get Your Freak On, and they have this whole, like, cast of characters around them. And it was just, like, a hit from the beginning to the end. And then, of course, it ends in her leaving on the more-you-know shooting star gif (laughs) as firework plays. And, you know, it was, like, stem to stern, like, a huge production. Lots of spectacle. Yeah. Okay. That even beats the choreo that Michael Jackson did. Oh, my God. It was so... I mean, thank you, MJ, for giving us the Super Bowl halftime show as we know it. But he had, like, all these kids out on stage. They're singing, like, We Are the World or some shit. I don't know. (laughs) It was, like, some man in the mirror bullshit. (laughs) Next question, next superlative, worst choreography in a modern celebrity halftime show. Now, I would like to give the worst of everything to Justin Timberlake for a variety of reasons, now, including what go. he did to Janet yes, Jackson. Yes, 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 um, yes. But I will also give him his worst choreo for his solo visit in 2018. It's like the first half of his performance, he's doing that, like, I'm dancing with the mic stand. Same old bullshit he's been doing since the early 2000s, but we're 20 years into it. And then the second half, he's just, like, standing on the stage and, like, playing the piano and stuff. And it's like, Justin Timberlake, like, learn a move or two. Listen, yeah. His whole career post-Insync has just been black people propping him up. (laughs) Whether it's Timbaland or Pharrell or Janet, like, don't yeah. get me started. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it, when he performed with NSYNC and Aerosmith and Britney Spears, like around 2000, like when they were at their height, and he does this really cool move where he shoots like fireworks out of his hands. Like that was cooler. That one moment was cooler than anything that happened in the 15 minutes of his solo oh, yeah. performance. Well, also, why would the halftime show have him back after Janet Nipplegate? Yeah. They didn't have Janet back. No, exactly. Thank you. It ain't fair. I feel like we need a Janet apology Super Bowl. And I Janet would kill it. Oh, my God. If Rihanna... She's made for the stadium. She's made for the stadium. If Rihanna brings out Janet Jackson, I... <gasps> I will melt into a gay puddle. I Brian, swear to Christ. Brian, from your mouth to gay God's ears, <laughs> manifest it. Oh, oh. Ew, my God. I just got teary okay. thinking about it. Okay, sorry. I got chills, teary-eyed. Oh, my God. All right. Okay, moving on because I could stay there forever. Uh, best vocal performance in a modern celebrity halftime show. I mean, it's got to be Beyonce, right? I mean. Yay. She just. Yes, I agree. I agree. She just it comes out there and she kills it. Baby, it's you. You're the one I love. You're the one I need. By my own Baby, rules, it was really focused on Beyonce. And she brings up Kelly and Michelle, but those are really her only guest stars. So it was really like focused on her. 
Um, and I like a bit more sharing the wealth. But I mean, she comes out, she's dancing like crazy. She hits every note. She sounds amazing. Yep. And then she does this grueling, you know, 10 minutes of choreography and singing. And then she mm-hmm. hits us with Halo at the end. I'm never gonna shut you out. Hitting every note, belting like crazy. As she said herself, gone with the wind fabulous. Well, and, and like, wasn't that the halftime show where it was so good she like blew the lights out in the stadium? <laughs> yes. Or was it, that the other one she did? Uh, I think it was this one. Yes. And yeah, I mean, just incredible. Just great. Yeah. Worst vocal performance. So, I mean, my father's going to kill me for saying this, but it was the Rolling uh-oh, Stones uh-oh. in 2006. And this was like the height of our, you know, sad dad band era, post-Janet. They were well past their prime in 2006, let's be perfectly honest. And they did three (laughs) songs only, one of which was some new single that nobody wanted to hear. What's a new Rolling Stones single? Now, come on now. In 2006. I mean, no, thank you. And you have, like, your greatest hits album is two CDs at least, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you only do yeah. three songs, one of which is a new one? Like That's a no from me, dog. Yeah. That's a no from me, dog. Yeah, get Oof. it together. Moving on. Which celebrity Super Bowl halftime show gets the Lifetime Technical Achievement Award or... Best Pyro Award, however you want to classify it. All right. There have been some great pyros with Justin Timberlake shooting, you know, fire out his hands. Like I said, we've seen Aerosmith and like huge fires and whatever. But I I went in a little bit of a different direction with this. And I'm giving the Lifetime Technical Achievement Award to Diana Ross for her 1996 performance. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Miss Diana Ross. Interesting. Tell me why. Okay. Diana Ross changes her outfit between every song, first of all. That is so Diana Ross. (laughs) Then she has this, she comes out, she has this giant gold cape and it looks huge and you think it's huge, but it gets bigger and bigger as she's singing Ain't No Mountain High Enough. She goes three stories in the air. This cape covers like the whole platform. She's like killing it. And th- and you're like, work, Diana, work. And then you see a helicopter and you're like, wait, where's the helicopter going? Oh, yes, it's going on the field. And oh, yes, Diana Ross is getting in a helicopter. The helicopter takes off from the field with her hanging out the side of it like she's Laura Croft in Tomb Raider. It's like... Tom Cruise who? Tom Cruise who? He could never... Thank you. And I'm like, Diana Ross, you better work, bitch. I mean, it's like <laughs> one moment it. to the next, you're just like amazed by Diana Ross just like serving it. And I mean, we've yeah. seen Lady Gaga jump off the roof. We saw Katy Perry come in on a giant lion and you will never top uh, Diana Ross Diana leaving Ross in a helicopter. Ascending ever. to heaven, a.k.a. helicopter. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. 
Strangest costume or prop? Okay. So in the mid-90s, when they were still figuring out the halftime show in the kind of post-Michael Jackson era, Disney did this production, and it was uh, Patti LaBelle, Tony Bennett, Teddy Pendergrass, and Miami Sound Machine. And... All of them together? All of them together. But it was also, like, Indiana Jones-themed. Bring to me! And Indiana Jones, like, steals the Super Bowl trophy. And then it's, like, being engaged (laughs) in these, like, weird satanic rituals that are also, like, also vaguely culturally appropriative. But, okay, so Patti LaBelle comes out. And it, it's like the set is this huge, like, fake Mayan temple, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she comes out in this, like, sparkly maroon outfit with these huge, long draping sleeves and this giant hat. And she looks like a drag queen's interpretation of Jafar from Aladdin. <laughs> Like, that category is Disney villain, and Patti LaBelle comes out <laughs> dressed like... It's, like, the most insane thing you've ever seen in real life. Oh, my God. That said, now that you mentioned Patti LaBelle as a Disney villain, I want that Oh, my stat. God. Imagine the song. Imagine her villain oh song. Oh, my God. Imagine wow. her villain song. Yes. All right, next... Most inexplicable medley of artists. Now, what's funny is the Super Bowl usually does this really well. So, like, in 1998, they had a Motown show, and it was Boys to Men, Smokey Robinson, Martha Reeves, The Temptations, and Queen Latifah. Like, all make sense Motown. Last year, we did History of Rap with, you know, Dr. Dre, etc., in 1994, they did a country show and it was Clint Black and Tanya Tucker and Travis Tritt and The Judge. So it's like, they know how to make a package that's going to make the sense. The Judge did a halftime show? The Judge did a halftime show. It, it was, Bless it. Bless it. It was the one after Michael Jackson and you could tell like, oh shit, we need to do something now. And so they, <laughs> I think they just like called wow. one country label and was like, give us the best you got. Who you got? <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, they know what they're doing. However, in 1999... They put together this trio of mm-hmm. Gloria Estefan, who has maybe Fine done more Super Bowl halftime shows than anybody. Stevie Wonder, another great, but also okay. Well, yeah. And then the third band is Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Do you remember them? <laughs> Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. was that whole like swing revival like the late swing 90s. revival like yeah Ugh. and Ugh. so but big bad voodoo daddy played the super bowl and we can never take that away from them so <laughs> <laughs> and in the first sentence of their wikipedia enter- entry is the band played at the super bowl halftime show in 1999 <laughs> so this really was a career hunt <laughs> Last two categories. This is like for the, this is like best picture, best director, Oscar level of categories for these awards. Okay. This is the big two. Yes. Uh, Best overall halftime show and worst overall halftime show. Okay. Choose wisely. So the best overall halftime show has to be Prince in 2007. Dearly beloved. 
We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. I was hoping you'd say that, and if you didn't say that, we were going to fight. <laughs> so you said it, though, so thank you. <laughs> and he was the one good one from, like, the, you know, Sad Dad Band era. And, I mean, he killed it. And, it, you know, he comes out, he, you know, and he's solo on the stage. The stage is shaped like the artist formerly known as Prince Symbol, you know, however you can't say it. But he does Baby I'm a Star and he has a marching band come out. So it's very like connecting it to the past with all, you know, all these halftime shows. He And he's by him, you know, with him and his band. But he does a cover of Jimi Hendrix. He does a cover of Proud Mary. So he's bringing in like other bands in the tradition. And then he ends it by doing Purple Rain. I never meant to cause you any sorrow. I never meant to cause you any pain. Shredding on the guitar, there's this huge screen and they're projecting like a silhouette of him playing the guitar on the screen. And it's just amazing. Can I play this guitar? And on top of it all, he did this whole thing in the pouring Well, And this rain. is what makes it even better, because at the end, when he's doing Purple Rain in the rain, because of all of the lights they have out on the field, yes. the Prince-colored lights, the rain is falling down, and the rain looks purple. He oh literally manifested Purple Rain in the halftime show as he is playing Purple Rain. It is the I stuff that dreams are made of. I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. When I go back to do this list, I, I'm just amazed every time. And I mean, I feel like now, R.A.P. Prince, I mean, he's locked in the top slot forever. Like, you are going to have to do something. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah, well, because Prince. also people forget, people forget, he is the greatest pop or rock or whatever guitarist since Jimi Hendrix. Yes. He could, he could outplay all of the other dudes. And there's an iconic performance of him at an induction ceremony for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where he's supposed to be soloing with all these other gods of guitar rock and he just shreds on them because he I, knew, right? Yeah. And I think what's beautiful about Prince's halftime show is that on top of like songs everyone knows and loves, on top of just being a great showman, he's also giving you live the yes. best guitar ever because he's the best guitarist literally since Hendrix. And we, we all forget that. We all forget that. <laughs> I mean, you can't keep the short king down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we should yeah. have closed on Prince, but there's one more category. What's, the, what's been the worst <laughs> celebrity halftime show? Worst overall uh, since 93? Okay. So in 2000, uh, the game was on ABC. And ABC is owned by Disney. And so Disney decided that they were going to produce the halftime show. And what they did was, uh, in 2000, they launched something called the Disney Millennium Performance, and it was some, like, Cirque du Soleil ripoff at Disney World. Featuring the Walt Disney World Millennium Celebration, a worldwide tribute to the human spirit. Starring superstar Phil Collins. 
So they had Phil Collins, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, and Tony Braxton, and they were all performing, but they were performing these original songs combo. from this weird-ass show that nobody had ever seen. And the show is like a combination of robots and like New Age healing. The future is coming. You gotta catch it if you can. The magic's unfolding. And you can hold it in your hand. We can touch tomorrow too. And it's basically just a commercial for you to go to Disney World on Disney's channel, like with all these people to go see this crappy show that nobody wanted to see. And so that I think is real. It, it's not only a bad halftime performance, it's also like an ad. Go now and celebrate your dreams as the magic of the millennium continues to bring us together. We already have to watch enough ads during the Super Bowl and that's already its own thing. The halftime show, the Pepsi halftime show <laughs> should be sacrosanct, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Brian. Sam. They weren't wrong. You are the preeminent Super Bowl halftime show expert. You've done the readings, you knew the assignment. Uh, thank you for this chat that we just had. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much. This is, uh, I hope we get to do it again every year. Uh, last question for you, though. Predictions on who's going to win the actual football game? Um, I choose not to engage with the football game whatsoever and keep my interest okay. in the halftime show pure. And so I don't even know who's playing. And I live in London. We don't even know when it's Super Bowl Sunday. Honestly, better off. <laughs> Good for you. It's Good the for you. Place for me. <laughs> Thanks again to Brian Moylan. You can check out his full rankings of all the Super Bowl halftime shows since like 1993 over on Vulture. Culturegeist. Culturegeist. You're listening to Culturegeist. Culture Geist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. My name is Gabby Grossman, and I cannot stop thinking about Jill Zarin's unhinged Instagram. Former Real Housewife Jill Zarin has got to be stopped. She is posting on Instagram constantly about insane mundane things like how headphones she purchased at LaGuardia are no longer working and how she demands that they get returned. Doesn't light up, doesn't work. I tried to return it here. They won't take them back. They're like, go fuck yourself. So um, does anybody know how to fix these? How the hotel, the Aria now, and I quote, smells of patchouli and vanilla and they're pumping it through the vents. And it stinks and not in a good way. Sorry guys need to turn that shit off. And culminating in Jill's live posting of her boyfriend Gary and dog Bossy getting locked in the bathroom at clothing store Zimmerman. Gary's locked himself in the Zimmerman restroom. Jill eventually 
posted the fire department coming, posted about how Gary now has PTSD from getting locked in the Zimmerman bathroom. And I cannot stop following along while Queen of Thirst Jill keeps us posted on every detail of her life. Hey, Sam, I'm Matthew. My culture geist, something that has quite literally been haunting me for weeks now, is the Burger King Whopper Jr. Whopper, 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 Junior, Double, Triple, Whopper, Lyrically, it's nothing outstanding, but perhaps that's the appeal. Elementary in many ways, sure, but musically, it's an impressive earworm. I've seen TikToks of people breaking it down from a music theory standpoint as to why it's so catchy. Years, when you hear the whopper, 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 you perk up, you listen along. You I've seen TikToks of people repurposing the song as a wedding entrance song. I found myself picking up my guitar and playing a finger-picked version of it, too. It's so dumb, and yet I'm haunted by it, and perhaps now you are too. Hi, my name is Jason P. Frank, and I'm a writer here at Vulture. My culture guys this week is the poem Prodigy by Charles Simic. Simic was a Pulitzer Prize winner and a former poet laureate who died recently. I'm from New Hampshire originally, where Simic lived for a long time, though he was born in Serbia during World War II. Uh, I remember hearing this poem read at my local bookstore for the first time and being struck by it. And in recent days, I've returned to it in the wake of his death and in our current times as a piece of art about memory and living through the hardest days imaginable. In the poem, Simic contrasts his deeply held memories of growing up playing chess with his lack of distinct memories about the war that surrounded him. A retired professor of astronomy taught me how to play. That must have been in 1944. But he doesn't describe himself as having the actual memory of that context. But what he does remember is the details of the chessboard that he grew up playing on. In the set we were using, the paint had almost chipped off the black pieces. The white king was missing and had to be substituted for. Uh, he remembers the job of the man who taught him to play. He remembers the word endgame. He remembers the worried faces of his cousins. I'm told, but do not believe, that that summer I witnessed men hung from telephone poles. I remember my mother blindfolding me a lot. She had a way of tucking my head suddenly under her overcoat. Instead, his preternatural skill is being able to play multiple boards at once, metaphorically. Just like the chess masters who are able to play multiple boards in reality. In chess too, the professor told me, the masters play blindfolded, the great ones on several boards at the same time. To him, this means being able to live in the devastation of World War II and to still be able to focus on chess. Thanks. Thanks again to Jason, Matthew, and Gabby. And I'm thankful always for art in the face of devastation. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? 
a thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years, share it with us. The more specific you are, the better. Just send us a short voice memo at intuit at vulture.com. Intuit at vulture.com. Also, if you like this show, I'm going to ask personally for your help in supporting it. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, tell your friends about this show, IRL, to their faces. Truly, it works. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Hannah Rosen is the head of audio at New York Magazine. Listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till then, be good to yourselves. See you next week.